Hey everybody, welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast. I hope you're all doing very well on this nice September morning. Um, I am delighted to be joined today by Sten Pitet from Tability, um, a piece of OKR software based based out of Australia, which is which is really exciting. Uh, you know, it really is becoming a global thing now, which is just fantastic to see for everybody involved. Um, Sten, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Like, I'm super excited to be doing this with you today. Fantastic. So let's just kick off by you telling us a bit about yourself, Sten, you know, your background and then what it is that Tability do um, and kind of your role there, I suppose. Yeah, so I think, you know, before Tability, so I was a, a product manager at Atlassian and uh, um, actually the genesis of Tability comes from there because one of the last thing I did was to convince our execs to let us launch a new product from scratch. And um, and actually Scott, one of the CEO of Atlassian, like he came to me and he said, well, if you do that, then you have to send me an email every week. And I thought this email was for him, but then I realized it was more an email for myself. And it was about accountability and, and keeping me you know, accountable for this project that we had. And, and this is what we decided to productize with Tabilities credit platform, you know, that, you know, helps with OKRs, um, but helps people to keep track of the work that they should be focused on. Okay, that's really interesting. So not just around OKRs that you, you're, you, this started from a, a bigger problem. And I suppose this kind of solution was posed to you in quite a novel way about this email. Yeah, so the, the idea is that um, when you make a plan, you get excited about that plan. Mm. And the thing is, as soon as you get, you start working on that plan, then a lot of distractions come in and they're not really distractions because it's all the work you have to do to execute on the plan. And it generates, you know, a lot of emails and meetings and calls and features that you have to develop. And it's easy to lose track of that bigger picture. And this is where, you know, that email that I had to send every week, like helped me to focus back on, you know, what it, why are we doing all this work and, and do we need to do the things that we're working on right now or cut the scope? And I think that then one thing we realized is that this, you know, as people were adopting OKRs, they had the same problem where they would put things, you know, uh, you know set the OKR plan and then get to work and then forget about that. And, you know, this is something that for us, we believe, you know, we, we call ourselves an accountability platform. And then one thing that we support really well is the OKR um, framework. Fantastic. Yeah, I like I like that kind of starting. Well, it's the the old classic start with why of Simon Sinek, I suppose. But you know that's that's important to do even before you jump into the world of OKRs, right? I mean, you shouldn't just kick off OKRs because you've heard that everyone else is doing them. There needs to be that bigger reason, that bigger purpose. Yeah, yeah, and I think that you know this is. Um, Starting the why, like understanding that projects that don't exi- exist in vacuum, like that's a reason why you're doing those things. Yeah. Um, the more you do this, and the better you can actually achieve those projects because everybody understands the value that you're supposed to deliver. So you come, you don't come to work just looking at a backlog. You come to work with a purpose, and um, and the more you know, the entire team can do that. The more that you can have like autonomous autonomous teams that are able to deliver without needing the you know constant feedback and support from uh, the leadership team. Mm. 
So you're the founder of Tability. Um, what what is your more day to day role, I suppose, then within the business? Yeah. So as a, um, well, I come from product background, so this is where um, my passion is. But um, it's also, you know, I love to. I'll say that right now, half of, half of the time is uh, spent, you know, on the product and building that, that platform that we want to. Uh, doing a great way and the other half is actually spend like talking to other um, founders lead, leaders of organization and trying to understand you know how do they work and has that goal setting and, and how is the adoption of OKRs going for them so um, I mentor for instance with Techstars and I mentor um, other companies in different programs and it's really exciting to see companies going for, for that journey and you know moving from focusing on on outputs to starting to put the emphasis on outcomes more. Um, and obviously, you know, it's like, and this is why, you know, you, you also, um, your help, you know, is needed because we were just a part of company. And, and what we notice is that people need a lot of support to do the transition, especially at the beginning. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of support, am I right in thinking you guys are actually in the midst of putting together almost a, a portal, aren't you, for kind of supplier help and, and product help, service help, where where organizations can go to almost one place to find that information? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's, that's absolutely correct. So as I was saying, you know, so the more we're working with companies, the more we realize that they need more than a tool. Um, and that we knew that at the beginning, but we didn't um, put it together like right off the bat. And so now that we have talked to you know many experts and, and and people like you and people that have great knowledge to share, what we thought is that we can you know create a place where we're gonna you know put all this knowledge together for people um, to be able to go there and learn you know what's the easiest way for me to get started, but also like if I'm a bigger organization or an organization that is experienced. Um, it, are there some you know tips or tools or, or things that I can watch um, for us to get better as a team? So Fantastic. we're excited about this because we think that it's really going to help people like move you know forward faster with OKRs. Um, I don't know what your experience is, but we we see you know too many teams that they still need like several quarters to get it right. Yeah, uh, and the idea is to shorten you know that that period. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's a, a classic case. And, and the more support and you're right, just the wider amount of experience that, that we can put in front of people, the more it helps. You know, it's another reason why we do the podcast is to, to get as many of those stories as possible to, to help people relate, relate to something out there that's already come before. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So um, what we're actually here to talk about is OKRs versus roadmaps, really, um, and, and this question of can you really replace roadmaps with OKRs? You know, are they are they interchangeable? Um, but first of all, you know, we we were looking through through your guys' website, and and we loved your tagline of goals go into spreadsheets to die, and and I think that's so true. Um, you know, it's it's a message that we say to all our clients as well. That's just where everything is going to fall down. But just give me a bit more of your reasoning about why you think that is then. Yeah, so the, it's twofold, uh, twofold really. Um, it's a bit of what we were talking about at, at the beginning about that accountability piece. And there's a big difference between, you know, the planning phase and, and the 
operating phase of you know like the project or team. A spreadsheet is great to organize your files. It's such a flexible tool, and, and this is why um, everybody is using spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. um, but what we see happening is teams, you know, they spend two weeks, they, they do these amazing workshops and they craft those plans together, they put it in a spreadsheet, um, and everybody's excited. And as I was saying, as soon as they get to work, they forget about that spreadsheet. And this is because spreadsheets, they don't know they need to be updated or they don't know that you need to come back to it. And so people get sucked into the projects and then they forget about them. And then it's only, you know, at the end of the quarter or at the end of the month when your manager sends you an email that you, re you remember that you had that, that plan somewhere. And you look at it and you're like, oh my God, you know, I worked on nothing on that plan. Like I worked on a lot of things, but not not the top priority that we decided on. Yeah. And um, the other thing that is, I think, pretty bad about the way we track things in, in spreadsheets is that we tend to, you know, the classic way that um, we see teams tracking OKRs in the spreadsheet is that you have, um, you know, one row for each of the key results. And then there's a column for the progress percentage with a color in there. And then another uh, self of a comment next to it. But then every, even if people track it weekly, what they do is like every week they come back to that same role and then they just replace the content. Mm -hmm. And so they have no sense of trends. So they see something today and it's like 57%. And it's supposed to be like red or green or something. But if I look at this and I'm like, but what, what's the trend? Like, are we accelerating or decelerating? Yeah. Um, it's really hard to have an answer for that. And so... This is why we, we can't like have this. It's a bit, definitely it's something that we believe in. So otherwise we would not put it on the website, but we do think that spreadsheets are pretty bad, uh, pretty bad for goal tracking. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's funny you say about people creating them and then just kind of almost filing them away and never opening that drawer again. The amount of times I've seen clients spend upwards of weeks creating the most beautiful and impressive spreadsheet you could ever imagine for somebody to come along and update one cell and the whole thing to be ruined and then give up on it. Um, you know, I just see it time and time again. And, and, and yeah. you're right. If you don't have that tracking throughout, then you're losing such a powerful part of the OKR methodology. Yeah. And I want to add to that, that the worst thing you can do when you, you, um, ask someone about the spreadsheet. It's like if the person that put a spreadsheet together is always going to be proud of that work because yeah. it's such, it's almost like art. It's like you crafted all these formulas. If you update this cell, then something, something, some other shit is, is going to, uh, to be updated and it all magically works. But what needs to be done is to say, well, can you give it to someone else and will they understand how things are set up? And, and this is usually when things fall apart because um, it was beautifully made on day one, but on day you know 25 of the, the quarter, when someone realizes that, hey, we need to change our key results or we need to change part of the plan, this is where it becomes hard for things to move. And so people yeah. abandoning those spreadsheets and then they move to something else. And so you start to lose track of that, you know, it's like focus and accountability because you, you just can't keep up with with the changes required. 
Yeah, I agree completely. Okay, let's bring our thinking around a little bit then onto onto roadmaps and OKRs then, because this is a fascinating subject for me. Um, I, I must admit, I'm not from a product background, so roadmaps aren't something that I've worked with for a long time. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on OKRs versus roadmaps then? Is it a one or the other thing, or is there some way to combine these successfully? Yeah, uh, I think... So I can start with the answer. Like I think I think they need to be combined. But the reason why I think this this conversation is interesting is because um, we often, you know, when when OKRs are introduced, like the, the common comparison is, um, you know, what what are OKRs and what are KPIs? Yeah, and that's a discussion that we're all familiar with. But um, from a team perspective, like what one thing I do when I talk about OKRs to people is. Objectives versus key results versus projects. And I like to do that because oftentimes if you look at OKR plans, like the first or you know, second times it is done, it has a lot of um, you know, inputs, right? So people put, like you look at a key result and you see like, oh, one of the key results is to ship uh, a certain project or deliver that feature. Um, and so it starts to look a little bit like, oh, so you're putting, you know, things that belong to the roadmap into your OKR. So um, it's an interesting conversation to have with teams. But now the reason why I think um, it's also interesting is because we need to replace what roadmaps, like roadmaps, traditional roadmaps, right? So if I think about the way I started my career, this is what you would do. You would take a doc and then well create a diagram where at the bottom you have this like um you know time axis um and it goes on for like six to nine months and then you start playing tetris with different uh ship you know different rectangles and the size of the rectangles rectangle um is relative to how much time it will take to ship that project and then what you try to do is like you try to like put those things on top of each other you try to make sure you don't have white space because that means that you have a unused capacity. And the problem with that, the problem with the roadmap when you do it as a timeline is that it puts emphasis on, on deadlines and capacity. And right. the answers you're trying to, like the questions you're trying to answer are um, when are we shipping things and could we ship more things? But if you think about what you really need to do as a team, you need to think about value. It's like, what are we delivering to our customers? Mm-hmm. And what's the first bit of value that we need to, uh, to deliver? What are the priorities? And so this is why I think that teams, they need to have like another tool that is much more suited for a conversation about impact and, and value and what do we need to achieve and what you know, at the end of a quarter, what value do we want to deliver to our customers? And this is why I think that OKRs, they, they, they have a perfect tool for that. And, and I think that it's not like ever or. I think that you need to bring OKRs um, within, you know, it needs to be like one of the tools that, that product teams have and probably the first thing that they're going to talk about. So mm-hmm. first you start with the OKRs and once you understand what value you want to bring to your customer, then you can look at a roadmap and try to organize it in the best way to provide that value. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. Um, and and I think actually you can use this methodology to um, to empower your staff quite well. 
you know, if if say the OKRs are set at an executive level or even a senior management level, um, I think you can set that challenge to to your teams. Go, all right, well, actually, you guys now go away and create the roadmap and tell us how you're going to get us to these outcomes that we want. And that way, you're not prescribing the how to them. You know, you're letting them use a bit of innovation and a bit of intelligence to get you there. Yeah. And uh, so it, it, let, there's another way to look at it, mm. right? And it's that it's far easier to understand what problems you have than to find the right solution. And so you need to, you need to separate those things, right? So you can, if, let's say we, we decide to build a product together. So we, we have an idea and then we say, okay, well, let's build a product. And then we take that to someone and we say to, some, to that person, would you use that thing? Mm. And they say, no, then we know that this is a problem. Like it was super easy to get that answer. It, you just have to go and take your product and you go to talk to someone. And it's easy to understand if something, someone wants to pay for something or if someone wants to use something because you can talk to people. But then figuring out what you need to do to get them to say, yes, that's much harder. Mm. And so the roadmaps, it's, it's that part. Roadmaps, it's actually their, their bets that you make with your team that you can solve problems that you've identified. And so this is where for me, you need to have like one tool that helps you understand like what are the problems we have and what is a priority, you know, how do we prioritize those problems and which are the ones that we want to fix first. And that's almost, you know, what for me, a good OKR plan is supposed to be because it's supposed to say, here are some things that we want to change. And then on the other side, you have like, well, those are hypotheses that we have on how we're going to change those things, right? And, um, and sometimes, you know, you're going to try some things with your team and it's going to work and it's great. And other times you're going to try other things and then it's not going to produce like the right results. So being able to separate, I think, those discussion like, is, is quite important and separate tools, like for me, it makes sense, you know, to have separate yeah. tools for, for different discussions. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Koan is a purpose-built solution for managing your OKRs. Helps your team achieve their objectives and key results, helps them get aligned, and it helps them stay engaged. Shared spreadsheets simply don't scale when you're using OKRs properly, and you're not going to have a maximum impact with them. But with Koan, you can scale your OKRs right across your entire company, keeping your team super motivated and moving everybody in the right direction. Roger, what's one of your favourite features about Koan? So the thing that I really love about Koan and have done ever since uh, I first saw it was how it really puts the conversation around OKRs at the heart of the system and it really helps stimulate that, which obviously brings really good collaboration. You know, they've got this uh, reflections feature which uh, helps uh, individuals really prepare for the the team conversation which is going to come up where the collaboration is going to take place so that would definitely be the thing for me which is the the killer feature of the system how far in advance would you plan a roadmap then Stan would you would you plan it for the full project or just one quarter or do you go you know through two Mm -hmm. three four quarters even yeah so okay so this is where it gets a bit um we have to segment that by size companies almost. Right. Um, but generally speaking, one thing that has happened uh, that I find really interesting is like that transition from what I described, you know, that timeline mode where you have like a, a time axis and you try to organize all your blocks together for yeah. uh, the, the next nine months. 
switching from that model to a model which is more like what are we doing now what are we doing next and what are we doing later mm. and i think that this model is more suited for agile teams I was because about to say that yeah 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 because now what you can do is like on a weekly basis you can start your week by looking at you know how much progress have we done on the okrs and then you look at you know that roadmap and you look at the the way things are organized and if if everything is green like you don't have to change and change anything but if you have some elements that are like yellow red then this is where you can look at what not you don't change the now because your team needs commitment but you can look at what you wanted to do next and what you wanted to do later and maybe this is where you can start like modifying your priorities and that's easier to do because you don't have that like time axis where you you're trying to commit to exact you know it's like we need to ship this at that date because this is more like a list of priorities is like we believe at the value um, we're going to deliver the most amount of value by ordering things that way um, so this for me it's like if you can do this as a team um, I would encourage you to do that but I also understand that when teams get bigger and you have like more dependencies you know across an organization then you start to you need to have come, like some sort of planning view or dependency view and and this is why sometimes it's it's really critical to be able to order things, um, but I don't think that should be the default. Yeah, I completely agree once again. And, and I just want to go back to something you said earlier, because I think that this stands true even when you're thinking about your roadmaps. Um, you, you've mentioned time a couple of times um, in that little conversation there. But really, if you're doing roadmaps alongside OKRs, does there need to be that switch in thinking from time to to outcome or value then that we mentioned earlier? Yeah. Um, so could you maybe clarify? So do you mean? Yeah. So I guess to... I'm, what I'm asking is, um, you know, traditionally with roadmaps, the endpoint is launching X by hmm. a Y, I suppose. But now is it more about? Um, instead of date Y, achieving value Y. Um, and yeah, actually yeah. the time frame kind of can drift slightly, although you know you need to get it done and, and you're working probably in a quarterly cadence, but that's what you're aiming towards rather than that destination date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think you're, that transition from um, definition of done to like this thing is shipped to this thing has produced value. Like I think that's, mm -hmm. that's critical. Um, and the time aspect, I think the way we're treating deadlines is is changing for the better. And um, and it, it's the same thing as, because when you look at a roadmap, you know, it's like the blocks in general, there are projects that are like, and especially in software, right? It, it's tied to like, is this in production or not? And one thing that is good, you know, with OKRs is that usually, you know, you, you push teams to say, well, we don't really care that it's shipped. We care that it's used. Yeah. And so using something means that it has to be shipped, but it also means that, for instance, you have to think about your distribution, you have to think about promotion, uh, support and everything. And, um, and, and yeah, so I think I'm, I'm doing a bit of a tangent on that, on, on that question, but 
I think that definitely um, having OKRs as a, the first anchor point to doing projects, like it, it will push people to then look at the items on the roadmap and, and consider that, okay, so maybe, you know, from a, a technical perspective, man, the work is done, but the value has not been completed. So now we also need to, you know, talk to marketing or we need to involve support to do this kind of thing. I think perhaps, you know, for clarity, like there's an example that I like to use quite often. Imagine that you say, you know what, like our project is to integrate with Stripe. And we want to do that by the end of the quarter. Like, I think this is a mistake because then what you get by the end of the quarter is just strap integration. Or if it gets more complex because your, your product needs specific types of billing, then your team is just going to like try to, you know, fix these things and they're going to, um, you know, it's like spend a lot of time trying to fix the integration problem. But now if you turn to your team and you said, you know what, what we want is we want to be able to start getting paid customers. And now, the team is going to say, okay, that's what we want to get by the end of the quarter. Yeah. We want maybe like 10, 20 paid customers. Now, what happens is that we're going to start working the Stripe integration. But then if that thing happens to be like too complex and we're getting close to the deadline in terms of the outcome that, you know, the outcome that has like a tangible impact for us, which was getting paid customers. Yeah. Now we can turn to the team and say, you know what? How about we try to find a different way to charge people? How about we don't create that integration and how about we just like get people on the phone and then we just ask for the credit card details and then we, we're just going to build them manually. Yeah. And this is what's important is to understand like what's the actual real value that you, you're going after as a company. And when it gets down to the team level, you know, it can still be that there's a product team, but it's still like working on fixing the integration. But as a company, we decided to move the priority from like, it's all about Stripe to like, it's all about, you know, those customers. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and I think it's a mindset shift, actually. And it's something that I talk to my clients about quite a lot, um, right at the beginning of the process. And, and I encourage everybody to shift their mindset from what do we want to do this quarter or, or this year to what, what do we want to achieve this quarter? And it's a very subtle difference, but it, it's it's exactly what you're talking about there, Sten. Is actually what we want to do doesn't matter because we could do a million things and it could create no value for the organization whatsoever. Um, mm. But if we think about what we want to achieve and, and we write those goals down and we take some accountability over them, um, then really that's what we're going to drive towards. And, and hopefully if the culture's right in the business, we're going to stop at nothing to make sure we're doing everything we can to get to those achievements and get to those outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I really like what you're saying because this is so true. Mm. Okay. So, I mean, we've talked slightly about, um, you know, buy-in and sharing the value, running outcome discussions, I suppose, is what we were just talking about there as well. Um, what do you do though? You know, we've, we've said, okay, don't focus on time too much. Um, in your roadmaps, focus on the value, but but what if something starts to drag and drag and drag, and you know you can feel that you're just kind of never reaching that end goal, but you may have put six or seven months work into this. How do you kind of excel the team forward at that stage, I suppose, and and kind of decide, you know, what this is a failure, let's write it off, or no, let, let's add three more months onto the project. Um. Okay, that's a great question. And I've been in this situation. Mm. And 
so the I'd say that the first thing is to not fall for the, the you know sunk cost fallacy because we've done so much and we need to keep going. Yeah. Um, I don't think that the answer is as simple as like oh you need to you know shut it down. Mm-hmm. I think that the first thing to do is to perhaps see if you can reframe that goal. And I know that it sounds super theoretical, but that's something that we did with one of our, uh, a team that I worked with where probably for six months, we we were like, um, you know, bumping our heads against a wall, like trying to fix something because our goal, the way we framed our goal was we need to fix this. Mm-hmm. And fixing this was focused so much on the thing we had, like what we've done to begin with and that thing that was broken and, and we were just trying to fix it and, and fixing it was hard because it was an old code base and, and it was just, you know, a difficult thing to work with. I'm not, I, I can't really get into the details, but what's important is to know that at some point we changed our mindset and we looked at it and we're like, wait, so we do care about fixing it, but what do our customers care about? Yeah. And then we realize that, well, they don't, they actually don't care about the thing itself. Yeah. And, um, what, and then we went back to the jobs to be done. It's like, what are they trying to do? And they, they, they got that tool because they wanted to achieve that, that particular capability. And we figured out that we could do, we could solve that problem in a completely different way. Yeah. And that actually that leads back to the, the, the initial thing because that became that sort of project that, um, you know, Scott was like, hey, I want an email about this like uh, every week. But that was a massive success, but it took us like really, you know, you, you talked about like changing your mindset. And, um, and I really think that this is so important. Um, the way you frame your goal is going to absolutely uh, drive completely the way you approach the solution. You know, it's like, and, um, and if you have a wrong framing for your goals, you can work 12 months, uh, you know, 18 months on something and never find like a, a good solution for it. Yeah, uh, you said there what what I was hoping you would say, which is, you know, really take it back to that question of why were you doing this in the first place? You know, what is the outcome? What is the value you were trying to provide for the customer? And and is there another way to get there? And I, I think it's that reflection and self-diagnosis piece that's that's such an important feature of high-performing teams that you're able to do yeah. that. Um, you know, that that is really a a feature of high-performing teams, these ones that drive on and on and on and on to get something done when they might lose sight of what they were trying to do in the first place is a problem and and it needs to be looked at, I think. Yeah, and uh, like while we were talking, so um, I like the example of Netflix. You know, I'd I'd love to know how someone went, you know, the DVD thing is like, oh, it's, it's we're, we're losing on that. And then someone figured out how to go back to like, but what do people want? Well, they want to watch stuff. Yeah. You know, they don't need to rent DVDs or to show up to a store. And they did such a great transformation. Like that's for me, that's the, the, that's the, the, the trajectory that you want to have as a company is like, you know, you have a product life cycle where you, you introduce something, then you go through the decline phase. And at the end of decline, you want to find a way to go back to introduction. And, and to do that, I think this is where mindset and learning, knowing how to reframe things is so important. Um, 
Yeah, so that's that's a good example of voice is what I mean by like, I'm quite sure that a team like had like this light bulb moment and realized, hey, we don't need this. We can just yeah. do it in a different way. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, excuse me, absolutely. So, um, well, one thing I ask I ask all our guests on the podcast then, then Sten, to really wrap things up a little bit is, you know, you've worked in, in some high-performing product teams, which is fantastic. You know, that's not a usual approach our guests come from. Um, and, and obviously you've worked with a lot of teams implementing OKRs now. What's the one piece of advice you would give to anybody that's kind of just getting going with OKRs or is, um, you know, maybe looking to kick off in the next few months? Yeah. Um, okay. So that's a great question. And I think I'd say that my go-to answer for this is and will always be, you need to have a right culture and there's no point going to your team and saying, here's a set of objectives, here are key results. Um, this is about empowering you. If you know the first thing you do when they say, hey, this thing is yellow, is like to blame everyone and make people feel unsafe, right? So I think working on the, um, yeah, the culture comes first. And um, if you have people, you know, that are teams that are empowered and, and you, you can share that control and ownership with them. Um, and people feel safe that, you know, it's like, it's okay to sometimes, you know, be in the red and this is a way for us to learn how to, to improve things and be better. Like, I think that this is when you start to have to see the magic happen and people like expecting, um, going above your expectations. Mm. So culture yeah, first, always. That's that's something that resonates with us a lot, and I'm going to do something which I very rarely do on on these podcasts, and and actually talk about one of our services for a second. You know, we have just recently in the past month launched our OKR culture practice, which is for people suffering this exact problem. You know, perhaps they've kicked off OKRs and they're not quite getting the impact they want. You know, we have we have a number of services provided by Georgia who's worked in culture for a long long time with with organizations um you know really looking at these issues of psychological safety uh senior leadership OKR coaching all these different bits and bobs so um do come onto the website and check out the recent webinars that Georgia's done all about uh, culture and and how you need to build it for for OKRs to to thrive um, or just drop me an email, you know, lawrence at derbygiants.com if it's something you want to talk about more because Sten's absolutely right. If, if your culture's not working, um, then OKRs aren't going to work for you and it can end up an expensive investment that, that's going to go wrong but could be easily solved with just a little bit of pre-work done, done with some experts. Um, Sten, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely fantastic discussion. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, and make sure to go check out um, Sten's portal as well once it's launched with all the expert advice over at Tability. Um, it's going to be an awesome platform for bringing everything together. So, so well worth checking out. Um, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, if there's anything else you want to know, just reach out to me. If there's any other discussions you want us to have on the podcast, please do let us know. We're always looking for ideas. Um, if, even if it's a really specific problem you're having, I can guarantee other people are having it as well and they'll be happy to talk about it and get a guest on to share their experience. Um, but apart from that, stay safe, stay happy and um, I will speak to you all again soon. Cheers. Bye.